Welcome to Four Questions Podcast, Episode 4. This week, I'm joined by Rabbi Deborah Goldman. She was so gracious with her time. She actually flies in uh, from California a couple times a month to care for and lead the congregation here. Um, This was my second time going to the local Jewish temple, Congregation Shareth Israel, but it was my first time meeting Rabbi. And uh, she was just so loving and, and gracious. I hope you can hear that we have such a wonderful time. Before we get into the show, please do check us out online at fourquestionspodcast.com, on facebook.com slash fourquestionspodcast, and on Twitter at four underscore podcast. Reach out there with any questions you may have, uh, comments about the show, any observations. Uh, One of my favorite things since I've been hosting this podcast is that I've been getting texts from friends uh, just with things that they found interesting from the show. So uh, keep that stuff coming. It's awesome. Uh, get on uh, Apple Podcast or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. That helps out a lot. Um, mostly what it does, it tells me what I can do better to make this a, a better show. And then something new, which we'll go into more detail later, is um, the show is launching a Patreon. And uh, that's at patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, there's only one tier at the moment, but there's more to come with that in the future. And so be on the lookout there. That's something that I think is going to be a lot of fun. So without further ado, episode four. So uh, to get started, one thing that I think is really uh, helpful and, and important when learning about other faiths is learning about how they pray. And, and so... Uh, if you don't mind, would you be comfortable leading us in a short prayer or reflection to get started? That's where I would... <laughs> having preparation helps. Sure, sure. Um, so, one prayer that comes to mind is a prayer for breaking bread, but we're not eating. Um, another prayer that comes to mind has to do with... Um, studying Torah, mm-hmm. but that's not exactly what we're doing either. So I'm trying to figure out, can you at least give me a guidance of what kind of prayer you're looking sure, for? Sure, yeah. Um, something just to uh, maybe of peace, of welcome, you know, something that is, uh, you know, to set the stage. The one, one th- thing that I... I'd, oh, um, I know. Let wonderful. me just look up the words. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm not good at having things memorized. That's what I like about having things written down. Absolutely. So I don't have to remember them. <laughs> I, that's why I have my notebook, because I, <laughs> I forget things um, as if it's a superpower. May God bless you and keep you. May God make uh, his presence shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God lift up his presence upon you and give you peace. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank That's you. That's the priestly blessing. That's wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Um, I know of, of one, you know, I think it's a typical, like a Jewish practice. I don't know. Um, I think it's called Haruta. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, 
my wife uh, learned about it and and told me you should look this up. It's really interesting. And one of the things that I love about that, and I think it gets at the heart of my very limited understanding and experience with a lot of Judaism is that it's, it's so much about community and it's about, um, this understanding between each other. You know, no one is able to be Jewish by themselves. Yeah. And so, um, I think that was reflected a little bit in the prayer of it's, it's always this welcoming of, of another and it's, it's beautiful. So thank you for that. And thank you for being willing to meet with me. My pleasure. <laughs> um, thank you for being patient. <laughs> oh, no. I uh, the This podcast has been really fun for me because I'm not very good at the, uh, you know, emailing and scheduling. I, that's not my strong suit. And so it's it's been a fun exercise. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll go ahead and get started. But before we get with the four, jump into the four questions for myself and for the listeners, could you give us a brief, uh, you know, background of who you are and, um, you know, how you've gotten here? (laughs) (coughs) Um, Okay. So I'm Rabbi Deborah Goldman. I'm a reformed Jewish rabbi. Um, not sure how long or how short. Whatever I, you feel comfortable no, I with. So I, I was, give you the short, my short spiel. So I was born in Argentina. I grew mm-hmm. up in Brazil and I moved to Cal- Northern California. Oh, wow. Um, and my father's a rabbi. So I saw a Jewish community in Argentina and in Brazil and in the U.S. And, you know, I left Argentina when I was two, so I can't really speak for that. But that move made a really big impression on me. Mm-hmm. Noticing what was the same and what was different of Jewish life in the two different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that had a lot of meaning. It created a lot of memories. Mm-hmm. And um, when I set out to be a rabbi, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I liked learning the stuff that a rabbi has to learn. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up here. That's wonderful. So you mentioned, do you still speak Portuguese? Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, uh, I love languages, and I, I over the last two years I've taught myself Spanish. Oh wow! But I I don't know any. I, I know how to say hello in Portuguese, and that is all. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very nice accent when you say Portuguese. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I uh, accents are important. Yeah. I, I teach music, and I always make the the comparison between music and language. And I I talk to my students a lot about the way that you play the notes, you know, a lot of people will use style as, as a word, but I, I make the comparison to accent and, uh, it's something that is important to me. And so anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, so we'll go ahead and get into the four questions. Um, the first question is, uh, simply what is your faith? And you mentioned reform Judaism. Um, could you contextualize that for us. So what is the, what does it mean to be reformed Jewish and kind of what are the different branches? So uh, there are three predominant branches mm-hmm. and there's a fourth branch as well, but it's not as big as the others. And then of course, just like Christianity's branch has multiple uh, varieties. Yes. So this is all in uh, very general terms. So um Generally speaking, the Orthodox community accepts all of 
the texts, rabbinic text, biblical text, as being word of God. Mm-hmm. And because those are word of God, those are not things you argue with. Right. And you have to do them because those are the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you do, it is though very much the custom that you study the text together in a chavruta, which mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier. Um, you, you study with the chavruta, that's what makes the text come alive. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you're trying to argue with the text, but that you're trying to understand it. And you right. understand it by engaging in that study with another person. Beautiful. So that's Orthodox Judaism. And it depends on the, which group of Orthodoxes you're in, but essentially there's a time period somewhere where Orthodoxy stopped. Mm-hmm. So it's a way of saying that it, 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 all three branches, Reform, Conservative, Judaism, mm-hmm. they all see themselves as being at the center of modernity and religion or tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that it's a pet peeve if somebody says that reform is like uh, to the left or whatever it's, it's, it's not that the most authentic is orthodox and reform that's not how it works reform right. is not the least authentic everybody sees themselves at the center of that balance right so um and the difference between orthodox and, and conservative is that there's a sort of the time period. So conservative sees the text mm-hmm. as evolving, still evolving. Mm. Um, wow. And one example that I can give is the word Hiresh. Mm-hmm. So Hiresh is a deaf mute person. Mm-hmm. And according to Jewish text, that person does not is not held responsible for mitzvot. They do not have to fulfill commandments, mitzvot mm-hmm. is commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would still hold true in, an, in most orthodox circles, although I can't really speak for them, but mm-hmm. in a conservative world, recent, pretty recently, they said, hey, that no, that we can't put down a deaf-mute person that way. Mm-hmm. A chavesh is a, is a human being, they should learn Torah, they should be... Right. so." But they don't just dismiss it, they go through that process uh, that the rabbis have been going through forever to make a kind of a decree mm-hmm. saying this is no longer how we see a Haresh person. Right. So both conservative and orthodox have the approach of these are direct words from God and this is how we approach it. Right. But the, but the orthodox is sort of stopped. So this is why it doesn't apply across the board for Orthodox. But if you if you're familiar with sort of the movie stereotype of black pants, white shirt, black mm-hmm. sweater, it type that was the outfit in the eighteen hundreds. Right. And so because that was the outfit, like that carries over. Right. So that's what I mean by <clears throat> when I thought. Reform is concerned with the spirit of the law and wanting things to make to be meaningful. Right. So we accept Jewish text and everything as being divinely inspired, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't necess- we don't need to say that it's direct word from God. There could be a Reform Jew who thinks that, mm-hmm. but we don't have to think that. Um, so it's it's about creating meaning, looking to our tradition for right. how did this make meaning in my life about what it means to be alive, what it means to mm-hmm. be a Jew, that kind of thing. Um, there was something else I wanted to share. 
well, come back to me, I'll, <laughs> uh, you know. But those, that's mainly the three verses. Uh, oh, the constructionist, that would be the fourth one. But smaller, mm-hmm. but they do have a rabbinic school, and it is it's sort of a humanistic approach. Okay. So they're not concerned with God. Hmm. Maybe there's a God, maybe there isn't a God. It's all metaphor. for. Well, yeah, it could be atheist, it could be agnostic, but there's a strong belief in the tradition and the mm. practice and the doing. Mm. So it looks very much like any other Jewish community, but they're just not concerned with whether or not there's a God. Interesting. Yeah, I one of the things that when I attended Shabbat here, I, I found myself as a person who loves my tradition and I, I love the capital T Catholic tradition, you know, um, I saw the, the tradition and that heritage being important in, in the service. And I think that's something that I, I see in the few, um, experiences I've had with Judaism. I read a book from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, a couple years ago, and I've seen some talks from other rabbis, and and it seems that one thing that is really important is, you know, and that would be very apparent in the constructionist, is that th- this is, this faith and this practice and this heritage is important in and of itself and is worth protecting. Right. And I, I think that that's beautiful, um, because you don't see many people who will identify as, you know, whatever faith, but not practice it in any other faith. But you see people say they're very proud to be Jewish. They've never, they haven't gone to, you know, temple in years, but they still are very proud to be Jewish because it's part of, uh, it's a yeah, more Yeah, I mean, part. That, that has to do with something else too. So I will touch on that in a second. But the thing that I had forgotten is the other thing that's very important, very important in Reform Judaism are the words of the prophet calling us to social action. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the Kulan Olam, of repairing the world, mm-hmm. is very much up there with what it means to be a reformed Jew, that we have to be active mm-hmm. and be constantly trying to repair the world. Mm-hmm. In terms of what you were just talking about, um, it has more to do with Judaism, which is, is, is interesting because it's a religion, Mm-hmm. It's an ethnicity mm-hmm. and it's a culture. Right. So there will be people who will who will claim one or the other, but not all three. Right. So as a reformed Jewish rabbi, I what I hold most dear is the religious aspect. Right. Um, I happen to also be ethnically Jewish. I happen to also be have cultural things in my life. But what I hold most dear is the religious part of it. Yeah. So someone who, like, I have a neighbor um, who's, like you're saying, very proud of being Jewish, doesn't really have a connection to a synagogue. Religion is, has some part in his life. He mm-hmm. likes to, um, during high holidays, he likes to go to the memorial service to remember his father. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he really holds on to is the cultural aspect. Right. And he probably falls under the ethnic category, but I haven't investigated it. It doesn't really matter. Cause like, so, and I think that's an important distinction because when someone converts to Judaism, um, is it's a, it's a really big thing because on the one hand, yes, you can convert to the religion, but what about the Jewish peoplehood, the culture, the ethnicity? Right. So they're always playing catch up, which is not fair to them because right. they're so devoted and so wonderful. Um, 
So um, the people who are so strong on the cultural and the ethnicity mm-hmm. have a hard time remembering that, no, we can fully welcome them. They've made the choice. Right. Um, and it's a beautiful choice, and we should honor them. Yeah, I imagine that that's... We, we've encountered it, or I've encountered it a, a couple times as a, a formal convert to Catholicism. People will say, well, you're not really Catholic, you know, because it's like you're not cradle Catholic, been there since birth. But um, no, I haven't encountered it in, in a while, just in, not usually from anyone in the church. But I think it, that's sad when that happens. Yes, but I, I imagine that that's even more challenging in Judaism, because like you said, it is culture. It is something that it's a, a people group They that they have this identity. And yeah. it's it's hard to let someone, I imagine it's a challenge to let someone come in and welcome them as if they've been there the whole time. And, and Well, I mean, it depends on the community and who you're sure. talking to. But yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be that when someone goes to the formal conversion, you're not supposed to question it anymore. You're not yeah. supposed to remind them that they weren't, that that wasn't always true. Sure. They're supposed to be fully members of the, the group. Yeah, that's... And it takes some... I think in any religious group, that would take some factor to... Absolutely. Welcoming the person fully in. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Um, I, I love to... You know, what what's interesting to me about Judaism at, as a whole is that it's the root of the majority of religion in the world. Um, okay. Most, I mean, all Christianity is rooted from Judaism. That's the, you know, the motherland for all. Can, you know. can I offer a different take? Sure. Okay. So we are living a rabbinic Judaism, not a biblical Judaism. Right, right. So the rabbinic Judaism that we are living was developed at the same time that Christianity was being developed. So in the first two to five hundred years of the Common Era, Uh that's when Christianity was taking shape, and that's when the the Judaism you know today was taking shape. Right, yeah, I guess So they were created against each other. One didn't come before after the other. But I know that there's this idea that because of Torah, that people tend to, it's a branch off of Torah. I don't know. I don't know what, what what my colleagues would say if they heard me say this. I know that I've gotten, when I said this for the first time, my teacher was very mad at me. But um, if you think of it as you have an Israelite tradition, and that uh-huh. Israelite tradition is based on sacrifice, mm-hmm. and it's based on the land, and those are things we don't have today. Right. So it's not the tradition that we have today. Um, and around the turn of the... I don't know, was the two millennia ago, 2,000 years ago, um, that was coming to an end, right? You start mm. to have there's these traditions being formed. Mm. Um, the temples were destroyed and then rebuilt and then destroyed again and having to form a Jewish identity, right? Um, <clears throat> it's okay to not agree with this. I think if somebody's listening to this and they're intrigued by this, their job is not to t- accept my word, but to go looking into it. Um, but I see the split as being the sort of the, the ethnic group that was following Bible decided, some of them, I mean, there were many of them, the one that survived is what became rabbinic Judaism. Hmm. 
But right around that same time, that's also when you had this young man mm-hmm. who was coming up with these other ideas. And this, so it's sort of Judaism and Christianity branched off of the same place. Right. And so I guess that's what I meant is that the they have a the foundation of Judaism is what laid way for Christianity to come out of of the same era, era an area. And okay, it, well, I'll give you an example of what I mean of what I like. It's not possible, for example, that Jesus would have had a Passover meal because that didn't exist then. That was a rabbinic tradition. So those things came developed side by side. Right. Yeah. Um, And then also the the Muslim faith, it's a Semitic faith, and it's out of that same area of the world, and there's a lot of similar mindset. And so one of the things that I think uh, is really inspiring when I learn, excuse me, when I learn about Judaism and I I look into it is that it is, uh, from where I've seen, it's this faith that is concerned with um, maintaining tradition and and living out these uh, practices while uh, understanding and, and really knowing why everything happens. And I think a lot of people in modern religion, um, or, or maybe outside modern religion, think, why are these people still doing these things? They're old and they, they don't, they're not necessary. And they, they forget that maybe they're, like, we don't think maybe they're necessary. Maybe they're not. That's not what concerns us. We think they're important. And it's helpful to maintain this uh, religious expression. Can you give me an example of that? And your... Sure. Um, so, for example, a lot of people will, will always think, like, why don't you eat meat on Fridays? Or, you know, some, some little tradition that it's like, well, surely God doesn't care about that. Well, I don't know if he does or not. That's not what I'm concerned with. It's so, this tradition. So practice, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to understand the mentality. So what is what does it mean to you that it's important? Why do you do it if it's not something that you're not concerned whether God cares about or not? Um, because it points me closer to the mystery. Uh, oh, okay. Right. So it's okay. something that it's not, maybe it's not necessary, maybe it's not prescribed, but it's helpful. And a lot of people on the outside of, of religion don't get it. You know, they think, well... If you don't have to do this, then why do you do it? <laughs> right. And it's... No, but I do understand. And I mean, I think that part of it has to do with meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Being closer to that mystery creates meaning for you. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so that that resonated with me as you were kind of speaking to to what Reformed Judaism is, is that I, I would find myself agreeing wholeheartedly <laughs> with that. Um, so move on into, into question two, um, which is, a really fun one, but it's it's what is a day in the life of that practice like? So something like typical prayer practices on an, a private level or at a corporate level, um, just the things that shape Jewish life. Um, what what are those things, and, and how do they shape the the way you live out community? So the challenge for me is that there is what my life looks like and there is what I would like 
my life to look like. Um, (laughs) So that's kind of the challenge. So part of, okay, so the one thing, and this is not true of everyone, it's true of me, Mm -hmm. which is the one thing that I hold most dear and it it permeates everywhere and in everything I do and Mm -hmm. even in things that we don't think of as Jewish, is the idea that everyone is created but Salam Elohim in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And in the story of creation, you know, depending on who you talk to, there are people who would say, hey, there's two stories of creation. Mm-hmm. And in one of those stories, men and women are created together right. um, as one unit. Um, and then God separated them. And I think that to me, that is really, really significant because I'll give you an example. I uh, sometime this summer, maybe, I my car was towed mm-hmm. here in Lubbock. It was wow. my first experience of my car being towed, and I was so upset. <laughs> and it was a mistake, and I, I didn't realize I parked somewhere I shouldn't have, and I was just so frustrated. I was not on my best behavior. Um, I really wasn't. And I finally, the person who was helping me finally told me where to call and what to do. And I called a person on the phone, and I'm... <laughs> I hear the woman say, hey, this is not my fault. I'm trying to help you. And it, it, that was what I needed to hear to be like, right. But Salam Elohim, everybody here is like, nobody's out to get me. It's not, right? Yeah. So and that, that re- hearing that really snapped me back into place mm-hmm. of, oh, this is not how I want to behave. Right. Um, and so... That would be something where that does take part of my everyday life as much mm-hmm. as I can. I, right. Especially, you know, I, in LA, I drive so much and having to remember, like, no, maybe that person didn't, you know, it, it's about when you're driving a car, it's about keeping safe, it's about, and you, you immediately react to people and having to remember that you have no idea what they were doing or why they did what they did. And right. what matters is keep yourself safe. Right. And all of that to me is a Jewish process. Uh, practice and process, that process of thinking. That's beautiful. In terms of prayer, I want to be the person who prays more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the truth is, the reality is that I don't. Um, every year I hope it's going to happen more. Um, but mostly with the reality, and actually it is getting better because my husband and I are finally on board to find a community for ourselves. So going to temple once a week to connect with community and to, to go through the Jewish prayers. Mm-hmm. So that would be, so it is starting to happen more. It's just I want it to be on a more daily right. basis because for me it's meditative, it's, it's focusing, it's, um, it's about creating the right kind of mindset for the day. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of things. I, I, to me, prayer is part of self-care. Mm-hmm. And self-care has so many things in that, and I just can't fit them all in, and it's just so upsetting. But <laughs> I know. Yeah, and it feels strange to say that prayer is self-care, but maybe that's part of where I, I would benefit from thinking of it as being from God, and it's not self-care, and I better do it right now. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I couldn't resonate more with that. My, my wife and I had a garden this past year, and, and you know, she talked about how she would be watering the garden and it was a moment of prayer and meditation for her. And I carry my prayer book with me all the time and I miss about every prayer time, you know, <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll think, okay, I'm really going to be good about saying 
my Vespers to this week and then I miss every single one, you know? Yeah. But I've been trying to think about it like watering a garden, right? Like creating that mindset, creating the environment for me to be a healthy and um, whole expression to, yeah. to try to see the image of God in people. I love that that's where you led off with. My yeah. wife and I have been talking a lot about the image of God and being made in the image of God. Um, we're pregnant. and Oh, we're, hey. We're having our, our, thank you. We're having our third child in two and a half, three weeks or so. Oh, very soon. Very soon. And so we've been reflecting on creation and on the image of God and things being made in the image of God. And so it was, uh, it was beautiful that that's where you led off with there because it, yeah. it really resonated with me. Um, one thing that I w- would like to ask about is, and you don't have to go through like a step by step, but I I had such a wonderful experience at Shabbat and I thought it was so beautiful. Could you, for the listeners maybe who've never experienced a service or don't know, kind of walk them through some of what the corporate worship and um, services are like? Sure. So, um, if you're coming to a Friday night service, um, the first part of the service is completely about Shabbat, about welcoming Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it is, um, sometimes I get these words mixed up, but like allegorical or metaphorical. Yeah. I, I, I should know my definitions. <laughs> um, so, for example, there's a prayer uh, where you're standing and you repeat the verses over and over, mm-hmm. um, and then you turn around and face the door in the middle of the prayer. Mm-hmm. That is uh, from the 17th century, um, and the um, so that's from the 17th century. The Kabbalistic mm-hmm. rabbis writing about welcoming Shabbat as a Shabbat bride. So you're facing the door because the bride is about to come into the room. And oh, that's what that's you beautiful. do when a bride comes into the room. That's wonderful. So that, that's the first part of the service. The other parts of the service would be very similar to any other. If you were to go to services on a weeknight, mm-hmm. it would be similar. So you go, there's a very general retelling of the story. So a prayer, there's a call to prayer. There's talking about God as creator. Um God is loving the people and gifting us with Torah, so revelation process, then declaring our relationship with God. God is our God. God is one. Talking about following the commandments, celebrating that we God freed us from Egypt. Mm-hmm. So it's a song of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe another, uh, in that point of the service, there's also a prayer for Shabbat. Then, because it's nighttime, there's a specific prayer for peace, for protection. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of about the night as you go into the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, here, we go into the Torah service. Mm-hmm. Although, typically, that's done on a Saturday morning, not Friday night. And then, the conclusion service. And the conclusion service is, is where you uh, remember the people who have died recently on mm-hmm. Susan's path. Mm-hmm. So that's a very abbreviated thing. The Torah services that we read the first five books in sequence every year. Mm-hmm. So studying the Torah, celebrating the Torah, that kind of thing. That's wonderful. Yeah, I when we were <clears throat> when I came here this past year, um, we were kind of being walked through 
uh, and they were pointing at everything and telling us, you know, so graciously what was going on. And, um, and this was after the service. And I, I found myself seeing, like you mentioned, these, the, the tradition that I live in and the Jewish tradition kind of coming up side by side in a lot of ways. There are a lot of similar things like a, a red candle all the time lit, you know, here it's by the Torah at my church, it's by the tabernacle where the Eucharist is. And, um, a lot of the processional, uh, formality we have and, you know, the, the structure of the reading of scripture is very similar. We have a liturgical calendar with readings every day. And so something that I had never seen or been around felt very familiar in, in that way, you know? Yeah. Um, but one thing that I found especially moving was the, the prayer for the departed at the end. It was, it was, you know, we were talking about people that I had never met and didn't know. And, but there was still something so powerful in recognizing them, um, as a, as a way of honoring what, what their lives were and trying to, you know, live in a way that makes sure that we're, we're, you know, when they left, whatever goodness was in the world, we try to make sure that that's still there, that we're not lacking. Right. And I, I thought that was beautiful. It was, it was so moving. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. So much. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, actually some time after that was given a, a lot of records. And so I have a, a vinyl of, uh, I don't remember the name, but uh, of a rabbi doing a lot of Jewish cantor. And so I listen to it pretty frequently because it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, so now we'll move into, into question three, uh, which is, I think, my favorite question because it's for a lot of people where they start to feel a little tension, but I love I love talking about that stuff, you know? Um, but the third question is what are a lot of common misconceptions about Judaism? Um, for example, it could be something that people think that's completely untrue and has nothing to do with the faith at all, or is just a misunderstanding of some nugget of truth that has been distorted. And then people think, Oh, well, that means you must believe this, and that's not true. I think there's a lot of different things, and some of them come exist within our own community. So some of them we've already talked about. One is uh, when people say that, you know, I don't do anything, so I'm a reformed Jewish. And I say to them, no, you're not. <laughs> if you don't do anything, you're not a reformed Jew. You just identify culturally, but you're not. So that that's something that really bugs me. Reformed Judaism has a practice, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't mean you don't do anything. Right. Um, so we touched upon that. A little bit of this battle of Judaism being the source. I, I don't, sure. I feel like we were developed alongside each other. I don't mm-hmm. feel like, I don't see myself as the source of the or origins. Wow. So that's um, something that's there as well. But then um, the other thing that come to mind, like um, within our own Jewish community, there are people who like to say that Jews are all rich that Jews are never drunk, mm. and neither of those are true. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, we, I received a letter today from a Jew in jail. I mean, mm. it's 
Jews are people yeah. and we suffer with addiction. We suffer, you know, the some Jews who are, who have a large representation in the country mm-hmm. um, just because somehow whether they have the resources or the know-how. But you also have a lot of Jews who are struggling financially and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. those are things that the uh, misconceptions within our community and people looking into our community. Sure. Um, there was something else also. Um, what was the other? Oh, so it's interesting to me, and I think this had to do with practice. I remember being at an in and out of uh, diner mm-hmm. in California around December a year ago, like either last year or the year before. And I was there with my kids. And I don't remember a woman was watching my kids while I was in line. I don't remember exactly how it came up. But she said something to them, to them about Santa Claus. Uh-huh. And without thinking, I said to them, I said to her, oh, the kids don't know anything about that. She was shocked. <laughs> like, what do you mean they don't have Santa? You don't know about Santa? She was freaking out. <laughs> and it's like, so it's interesting to me because I think people understand that Judaism isn't Christianity. Uh-huh. But the fact that Judaism doesn't have Christmas sometimes is very jarring. Yeah. And it's not, it's not um, an insult. We're not anti-Christmas. It's not right. any of that. It's just it's not part of our tradition. We have sure. our own traditions. And Hanukkah is not Jewish Christmas. Yeah, it's uh, It's a completely different holiday. It's actually, it's supposed, this is one of the places where the rabbis and the people argue. The rabbis are insistent upon including this one, saying Hanukkah is a minor holiday, Hanukkah is a minor holiday. But uh, all the Jews, you know, like, but we want to celebrate it and make a big deal out of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have that tension and it's an interesting one. So that always catches me by surprise, though, that mm-hmm. I think... Um, the concept of Messiah, the con- Santa Claus and Christmas, all of that, people, it, it's so normalized in this right. country that people yeah. have a hard time, like, what do you mean you're not a part of that? Yeah. Um, it, it's almost like, it's completely outside of the sphere of, yes, we accept all people, but what do you mean you don't have, so. Yeah, I, as a person who, my, my tradition celebrates Christmas, Christmas is important, I think it's gone too far. <laughs> um, I I make the distinction between cultural Christmas and religious Christmas, and that most Christmas has nothing to do with the religion side. Um, you know, traditionally Christmas isn't one day; it's twelve days, and it doesn't start. If you go to Spain, you do have all twelve days, and yeah. the big deal is at the end, not at the beginning. Yeah, on Epiphany, you know, yeah. and that's that's Catholic tradition, and so. You know, people think it's weird that I don't listen to religious Christmas music before Christmas Day because it's Advent and it's well, I want to honor this part of of our calendar, but it's not the most important part of our calendar. You know, um, and so I I agree. I feel that too because a lot of times people make a big deal out of Christmas for cultural le- reasons, which has to do with wanting more stuff and buying things and stuff that has nothing to do with with yeah. the faith um Sorry, okay <laughs> that's okay anyway all that to say um yeah i i get bothered about the the way that people try to insert 
all the the cultural muck into what Christmas is supposed to be. Yeah. And I find myself thinking, this isn't this isn't what Christmas is about, you know. Um, yeah. So I, <laughs> as you were saying that, I just that's, I think about the very I think the very same things as I'm sitting there in the stores and it's like this jolly red guy. It's like I mean that's fine. That's cultural Christmas. It's different. <laughs> Yeah. We need to make the distinction. <laughs> um, that's beautiful. Uh, the last question is one that um, is fairly open-ended. And I've noticed as, I, as I've as i kind of gone through and done more interviews, it, I, I really like the way it goes. But it, it, in essence, is what are your favorite things about your faith? And the reason that I think that's important is because a lot of times when people consider other faiths, they think about it through their lens, right? So when I look at anything I learned about Judaism is being filtered through my spiritual life. But that doesn't tell me what is important in Judaism for the Jewish people, you know? And so what, what I like about this question is that it can t- it takes the focus off of my own understanding and my own interpretation onto um, the individual who's living in that faith and and is formed by the faith and informed by the faith and is forming the faith as it continues to grow. So with that in mind, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of the things that, that you find most enriching. So it's kind of a... It's... I know the answer. I'm trying to figure out how to frame it. So, I mean, one thing for sure is that I like that there's a lot of opportunity for family time and community Mm -hmm. and that you don't practice Judaism in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So that is, to me, is a given. Of course, that's among my favorite things. Um, The other thing, it it, it makes me laugh, but it's definitely true. Judaism is a struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a struggle to be a better person. So... A lot, not necessarily all of the sermon, but a lot of them. When I'm writing them, they come from a place of what are the things I need to hear. Mm. So the sermon that I gave two weeks ago, like I've been thinking about, like I was talking to myself. Like I don't (laughs) care what anybody else thought. It's like, oh, wow, I think I finally understand something about. And it comes from trying to understand the text and trying to understand what it means to be a good person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that Judaism is, is... a source of always pushing me to be a better person. Um, so, um, I mean, the big moment for that is the high holiday season, mm-hmm. but it, it permeated throughout the year. Um, the high holiday season is really intense and it's renewal and, you know, bringing yourself back on the path. But it's actually a lot of the things that we do at high holidays are meant to be done every day. Right. It's just that the tradition understand that you lose your way along the way and you, you know, we, are, we aim for the best and then, yeah. so it's um, but it really is it just for me, Judaism is, is what pushes me to, to think about how I behave in the world and how mm. I want to be a better person and what that means um, yeah, and so that That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, when you mentioned earlier <clears throat> that social justice is, is a big part of Reform Judaism, I love hearing that. One thing that 
the, the reason that I decided, one of the reasons, I mean, there's a million, but one of the reasons I decided, yes, the Roman Catholic Church is where I belong, is, is because I found that we have something called the Catholic Social Teaching, which is seven precepts, and, you know, without getting into them in detail, they, they basically are preferential options for the poor and the needy in serving them. And I think that a lot of times I have a tendency to get so caught up in the the prayer and the and the ritual that I forget that I have to take this out into the world and right. and help someone. You know, if yeah. if I um, if I don't do that, it's not really worthwhile. And so I love that you that you mentioned that um, for the sake of of, uh, like, you know, the recording and, and the podcast and, and whatnot. Um, would you mind sharing just briefly what the kind of social justice looks like and what Reform Judaism kind of points people toward? Because um, you, you mentioned being a better person. Um, I know, obviously, the Torah is the, the biggest guiding text. But the reason that there are so many different versions of every faith is because people read things differently. But um, from your tradition's point of view, when something says, this is healthy social justice, this is how you love your neighbor, um, what does that look like? Um, so I, for me personally, the most basic level is just got to put more love out into the world. Mm. Um, I get very overwhelmed by all the political things. Um, But a lot of that (laughs) is part of what social justice is about, and it is true. So um, one of the things that is mentioned in liturgy all the time and that is is recited all the time is that, you know, we were slaves in Egypt and God took us out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And we should have empathy for, um, you know, for people who are struggling. Mm -hmm. And so that, that can take on all kinds of different shapes. Um, so I think my, my, my impression, and I could be wrong, is that the world seeing reform Jews as being very, um, active, um, or at least from my perspective, I, when I saw reform Judaism as very active, began with some crisis that was going on in Sudan. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just, you know, at some point people were questioning like, well, why Sudan? What about people here? What about things going on here? So... Um, there's a lot there. It's a difficult question. It's a difficult question for a Jewish community in Texas because, I mean, we have a lot of um, members who are liberal, but we have members here who are not. And so how did that fit into the Jewish idea of social, reformed Jewish idea of social action? So having empathy for the other because we were slaves in Egypt and so we should have empathy for what that suffering and struggle looks like is one of them. Right. The other one is um, the verse from Deuteronomy, Tzedek, Tzedek, Todov, justice, justice, you shall pursue. Um, that you, you have to, okay, so a bigger word, a, a similar word. So Tzedek means justice. Uh-huh. And Tzedakah comes from the same place of uh-huh. justice. And Tzedakah is when you do the English translation becomes charity, but it's not right. Because I know that some people think of charity like, oh, I give money to the poor. Right. Which is not the Jewish concept. The Jewish concept is, 
I give money to make the world a fair and just place. Yeah, so it's giving justice, not just just money. Well, yeah, and it's, it's, it's the idea is it's not that I'm giving money to somebody because I'm being nice to them or because they deserve it right this minute, but it's because a world where there's that much suffering is not a just world. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, that's the religious concept. If you're talking politics, that could sound like socialism, I think, where everybody's equal, and I recognize that in politics that doesn't necessarily work. Right. But in a religious theology part of things is that you have to fight for the other and what what loving your neighbor like the neighbor isn't necessarily a Jewish person it can be outside of that community and there are you know the Jewish the Talmudic text about where do you give money first right so you just you start with the families you go with the community your neighboring community so you know and I think that generally has to do with if your resources are limited where do you start right but it doesn't but that we have a role, a role of um, helping others. There is a, there's also the notion of being Jews to be a light unto the nations. Mm-hmm. That is a verse I'll say that makes me uncomfortable because there's a sense of saying I'm better than someone else. But the way I like to look at it is not that I'm better than someone else. It's that I should use the resources and the knowledge that I have to model what it's like to be a good person. And I think that you can be a light unto the nation too. Yeah. Right? Beautiful. We use that. It, it just that's just my inspiration of this is how I should behave. Right. And and if you know a lot of people in the past that I've met have been upset about. You know, for example, someone knocking on their door to, you know, some missionaries knocking on their door to proselytize, and they get upset. And I think, no, that's wonderful. How that would be horrible if they thought they had the truth and the secret to a healthy life, and they didn't share it with people. That'd be awful. Wait, say that again. Oh, I see. Well, that yeah. So, so I love the idea of saying, if if you if you have this light. You ought to share it. You ought to but take it to the But there's a difference between sharing and saying you have to take this life. Right, exactly. Right? So, so, that, so that, that's why I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah, but I, I love the idea of saying you're a light to the nations. It's not saying everyone has to do what you say or live like you do. It's saying you're an example because you think that you, you have this. You, you've been given this light and you have a duty to offer it to people for them to see it. You know? Well, I mean, I think another way, I, and I, and someone once told me it was simplistic, but I don't care. It works for me. Um, my father shared it with me, which is, um, if you think of a diamond, it has so many cuts and so many different angles. I don't know if you've heard this before. No, I haven't. So, you know, a diamond has so many different cuts on it and so many different ways that you can look into it. And each slice of the diamond is a is a different religion looking into that truth. So the diamond wow. is the truth, but you have all those different angles. So everybody has a piece of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so. It's lovely. That's why for me, uh, the idea, I, I don't, like Jews don't, Jews don't proselytize. Right. Um, uh, and it's actually because at some point we were persecuted for doing it, so right. we stopped. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, so, but you can still convert to Judaism. It's just the approach is if you want to do this, you come to us. But we're not going to come Reach tell out. you this yeah. is, yeah. Absolutely. That's, <clears throat> I love that you mentioned other faiths kind of having a, a different window. That's what I love about what I've kind of started with this is I greatly enjoy getting to speak to people 
like yourself who are brilliant and you know knowledgeable of the these spiritual truths that I don't know you know and it helps me to get closer to the indwelling mystery of all creation because I, I don't think and I, I'm not at risk of my church saying this um, my church doesn't have a monopoly on the truth it's the truth is everywhere and um, I have a, a duty to, to find it you know that's that's the whole point of you know the there's the there's a New Testament scripture but I think it references um, some older I, th- I think it might be from the Torah but I don't remember which book it's in but the seek and you shall find mentality of you 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 have to look for things and yeah, I mean, in Deuteronomy, we have, toward the end, we have a verse that talks about that it is not in the heaven that you can't reach for it. Right. But it's down here for you. It's totally, all of this is meant to be directly accessible to you. You and have that, to go looking for it. Exactly. And so I love, I love that you mentioned that because that's, that's the heart of this project is that I want people to be able to, you know, listen to a person that they would have never gotten to listen to and hear a unique experience and a unique viewpoint on the divine and, and say, Oh, wow. You know, I've, I've experienced that and it can help them. Hopefully, maybe not, you know, but hopefully it can help them and myself move closer to that unity, um, that I think we all are trying to get to. You know, I, I think the the point of faith uh, and you know, all these religious practices is that there's something at the heart of of creation and existence that we want to get to, and we want to try to be a part of it. Right. Um, the I, I remember reading a book. It was written by a priest, but he he talked about this section um he he had spoken with a lot of rabbis about the name of god because that's something that people you know they they will try to insert vowels into it the point is that it's unpronounceable so the the way that people try to say it isn't correct at all but um the 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 fact that it is unpronounceable uh he he's talked about the forming of each letter being like that of breath like that yeah. of, of just existence and being in and of itself. Yeah, that, I've read some of that also. And I think that's what we're what we're trying to get at is just being with God, you know, and, and God isn't some guy with a beard like mine and a lightning bolt, you know, but rather God is this idea of being and love and, um, you know, uh, all things good in and of itself and we're just trying to get close to that and to be a part of it you know um so i love that that that's where you ended that that was that was beautiful and really spoke to my heart so thank you oh you're welcome yeah (laughs) um that that's all the, the questions uh for the sake of of ending the recording um is there a a farewell or a traditional a traditional way to say to say goodbye uh in terms of blessing, oh, it's always. This is also, I read last night. I like to, let's see, Deuteronomy. 
it's not necessarily traditional, but it's, um, I find it, I really like it. Whoop, wait. Here we go. Baruch Atah, no, sorry. Baruch Atah Baruch Blessed are you as you come in, and blessed are you as you go out. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, that's episode four. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed uh, my conversation with Rabbi Deborah Goldman. A very special thank you again to my guest. Uh, she was so wonderful, and I appreciate her being willing to meet with me. I know weekends here in Lubbock are very busy for her. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we do have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash fourquestionspodcast. Currently, there's only one tier, and uh, the perk for that at the moment is just that once you uh, subscribe to that tier, um, you'll get mentioned in an episode and get mentioned on the website. Um, I have more things coming in the in the next probably month or so next couple episodes uh the reason that's not starting right now is because uh i'll be having a third kid here in the next couple weeks so um for anyone who uh is interested uh, that keep us in your thoughts and in your prayers and well wishes um we're so we're so excited there may be a little bit of an interruption with the release schedule Uh, we may be displaced by like one week but I don't see it being all that, all that much of a of a hassle. Um, so there'll be more coming from that here once everything settles down, which will be never because we'll, we're suddenly outnumbered. <laughs> um, so uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, peace be with you.